Welcome back to Pancreas Pals, a podcast by diabetics for diabetics. I'm Emily, a writer and editor. And I'm Miriam, a licensed mental health counselor. We're just two women trying to live our best diabetic lives. While it might not always be easy due to the literal highs and lows, it always helps to have a pancreas pal to turn to. Hello, and welcome to Pancreas Pals. I'm Emily, a writer. And I'm Miriam, a licensed mental health counselor. We're just two type 1 diabetics trying to live our best lives. It's not always easy with the literal highs and lows. But it does help to have a pancreas pal to turn to. Hey guys, welcome to Pancreas Pals. Emily here. And Miriam. And this week's episode is a little bit extra special because we are talking a little bit about our women's health issue article semi-feature situation. Um, Help me, Mary. Yeah, that came out the March (laughs) issue of Women's Health Magazine. Um, We were newsstands everywhere, February 11th, in select places now, as in surprisingly, apparently it's out basically everywhere because I've seen it everywhere. (laughs) Very exciting. But yes, we were featured in an article called Owning It, um, which was all about women with chronic health issues, specifically more like invisible chronic illnesses. And we were very excited to be featured and very excited to find out that it was out now, um, because it was a few days earlier than we anticipated. And we were being pretty uh, mums the word on it because... As someone who works in publishing, I completely, like, you never know what's going to get cut from a magazine. And although we were silently getting our hopes up, we did not want our moms or, like, everyone (laughs) in the world to be like, where's this article? Why hasn't it happened? Um, Not that necessarily anyone listening would care that much besides our parents, but alas, here we are. Yes. And Um, even when I found it was out, I still looked, like, skimmed through it and was still kind of half believed that we would have not been in it at all. So it was very exciting to see our faces. And apparently it's, Um, like, hard to buy magazines. As soon as I heard that it was out, I, like, ran to, like, three different pharmacies, could not find a magazine. Oh, my God, really? Yes. I saw it everywhere I went in Jacksonville. LOL. I was having such an issue. And I texted Emily. I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I ended up finding the digital like Dig- kindle version of it paid <laughs> that'll live forever yes so i paid good seven dollars for it and seven dollars well spent because <laughs> nice. now i have like the digital version of this magazine for all of eternity um basically miriam and i are going to be adding this to our resume <laughs> and we'll just we'll just put that in we'll put the digital edition we'll just throw that in as part of our portfolios um lljk oh, well, just got a new job i love it very much if anyone at martha stewart is listening yay um but Basically, a little bit. the The episode is going to be about advocating for yourself as a woman in the healthcare world and in general, because that's something that ended up coming about from mm-hmm. our our little talk with Allison Goldman. No relation, but she is the writer of the piece uh, for Women's Health. So, a little bit before we dive into that, because we do feel like that is totally worthy of an entire episode. Um, just a special shout out to Mike Natter because. We actually were contacted for this article. It's not like I had actually, I feel like I probably do know people at Women's Health, but I, you know, Miriam and I were excited to get a call basically. And we got, we got an email sliding into our, sliding into our email. Like I say, at the end of every episode, someone finally did it guys. (laughs) I mean, people do it all the time, but like that's in here or there. Uh, basically being like, Hey, uh, I heard about your podcast. I'm doing this piece on women's for women's health on, uh, chronic illnesses. And I'd love to talk to you guys. So we, 
Um, I later, I, a few weeks before I'd gotten a text from Mike and he was like, Hey, what's your email? Um, I have a writer reaching out to me that I feel like you'd be a really good fit for. And I was like, Oh, dope. Like, and he didn't really say anything else, but I was like, Oh, dope. Here's my email. Thanks, Mike. Like, let's, you know, let's do another episode soon. TTYL. (laughs) Um, he's in Jamaica right now, so he's living his best life, but basically kind of forgot about it and then we got that email from Allison and we had a conversation with her and it really turned into more of a chat about advocacy for us exactly Um, specifically for me when I was diagnosed I wasn't I was misdiagnosed and I had to keep going back to the doctor and being like something's wrong Um, whereas Miriam although her diagnosis was when she was a lot younger she's learned to advocate for herself every day because you know at the end of the day we're the only people who are fully in charge of ourselves. Exactly. And I think that conversation we had with Allison, um, again, that's the writer of the article, was really interesting because we actually had kind of no idea what we were going to be talking about with her. And we ended up, as you know, Emily and I can talk for a very long time about absolutely <laughs> I nothing. I so bad. I and was like... So we talked to the her for like, born. yeah, for like 45 minutes to an hour. And I think she did a really excellent job of kind of pulling out things that we said and giving it a theme. Um, and we had emailed back and forth with her a lot about what we kind of, how we wanted to be represented and how we wanted it to be spoken about. And she did an excellent job of taking all that we were talking about and giving, making sense of it and kind of pulling out like, oh, so you guys really have to advocate for yourself a lot. And we're like, you're right, we do. And I'm just going to say that this is a good, um, like commercial sort of for therapy. Cause I actually think that's what <laughs> therapists do too. Would you agree, Emily, that you kind of blabber on or just like let things out and the therapist is there to really pull out and make meaning of what you're talking about. So yeah. Allison, if you're listening to this, if you are not just change careers in the future and decide not to be a journalist, you would make an <laughs> excellent therapist. Um, as someone who is a journalist, Allison, keep up the good work. Uh, <laughs> but Miriam, yes, therapy is very important. And I do feel like therapy has taught me to advocate for myself. And that's a big reason why I find it so helpful is because anyone who knows me would never think I had any trouble speaking up for myself, which is true. I don't. But when it comes to um, something that isn't my realm, like prescribing medication or, um, you know, endocrinology in general. Like, yes, I like to think I'm pretty educated on diabetes, but I know I'm nowhere near the, an actual doctor in any way, shape or form. Um, so I used to always take a doctor's word as like, you know, as God, it was Mm -hmm. like, they knew what they were talking about like a hundred percent. And while most doctors are great and do know what they're talking about, not all of them are able to see the bigger picture or some things aren't as obvious to others, whatever the reason is. Um, I was definitely left advocating for myself, kind of screaming, screaming in an empty room, if you will, for about a year and a half. Uh, so head back to season one, episode one to listen to my diagnosis story (laughs) to get the full dish on how ultimately I finally, uh, got the help I needed. But this uh, through telling my diagnosis story and through Miriam sharing her, you know, I don't want to say many years because that makes you sound old and you're effervescent. My and you're journey. Just not old. Through your journey with type one, um, you know, Miriam has learned and has been teaching me. And if you've been listening to the last however many seasons, teaching you as well to advocate Aww. for yourself. Um, so without further ado, some of our top tips for advocating for yourself and what we mean by advocating. Uh, there's season three, episode four that we did with the amazing Badma about advocating in general with the American Diabetes Association. 
Um, and, and that source of advocating is definitely more government and political, uh, something that needs to be mm-hmm. having legislation that needs to be changed, uh, i.e. insulin prices, caps, all things considered like extremely political and important, extremely important. But we're talking about advocating like in terms a, like a of personal. Level. Yes, mm-hmm. it starts it starts with yourself. Yes, yeah, so that's advocating in a lot of different realms, whether advocating with your specific doctors, advocating within your family, within your group of friends, and just kind of advocating as you navigate through society in whatever kind of realm that is, whether it's work, relationships, et cetera. Um, mini, mini micro advocacy. Um, so yeah, what, what do you, where do you want to start, Emily? So something that the article really does well in portraying, because uh, Allison interviewed a whole bunch of different ladies with invisible illnesses and chronic conditions, um, is that if you have a question about something your doctor says, or if you don't understand something, never be afraid. This might seem super basic, but never be afraid to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, this was something that I actually struggled with because even when I did ask questions, I wasn't getting answers. And that's really discouraging, especially when the doctors don't seem to have answers for you, let alone, you know, you can't explain why you're going to the bathroom Mm -hmm. like every five seconds and doing all these things that ultimately led to my type one diagnosis that would have been clear to a lot of other people at the time. Um, I got to let that go. But (laughs) it's uh, it's advocating in that if you have a question, speak up and ask for it. And I know that's easier said than done. But even if you're afraid to ask it in person, maybe the first step is over email um, and utilizing the technology that we have today. Exactly. And I think there's a part of us that also has to acknowledge um, and not that this is right or okay, but the medical system works in a specific way nowadays, at least in the United States, that Most appointments, doctors are only allotted like 10 to 15 minutes per appointment. And that has nothing to do with, you know, they could be a wonderful person and want the best for for their patients. But if they're only given a specific amount of time to fit like 40 patients into one day, of course, they're going to be rushed. Even if they have the best of intentions, they're going to be rushed. If you don't say like, oh, I have questions, they'll be like, okay, done with blood work. Like, see you in three months. Right. So, Miriam's and, husband is a doctor. Yes. Yeah, so, he is a very lovely human. <laughs> but, but, but I think that relationship does give me insight on like the, the other side of the, the medical world. And I think we have to have that understanding that just because, you know, they're not sitting down and spending tons of time with you doesn't mean that they don't care or they're not going to fight for you. But it really just means in that moment they don't have time. So it does put a little bit more pressure on you as the patient to say, hold up, I actually do have a question and I want to stay until I can get it finished. Or like, wait, I have, I'm I'm curious for more details about this particular issue. Like, should I, should we talk about it now or should I try to, you know, experiment and then message you on our, on the, the my chart system to get more feedback on my numbers or whatever it might be. And I think for the most part, doctors will really appreciate how proactive you're being and, and kind of inquisitive you're being. If they're not, like, okay. It's okay it, to shop around for exactly, a new doctor. That okay is okay. Around, so I think mm-hmm. that kind of brings me a little bit to my next point in that if you're advocating for yourself and you feel like you're not getting anything out of it, you feel like you're putting a whole bunch of effort in and you're not receiving either the respect or attention that you need, um, it's totally okay to change providers. Exactly. Uh, 
there there's it's unless you know i mean there's obviously it's easier said than done yeah. insurance and then also like population as to where Geography, you are if you're yeah. in if you're in idaho and there's one doctor within like a 300 mile radius mm-hmm. that obviously is a little bit more restricting mm-hmm. but the importance is to make sure that you are getting the medication you need and that you understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. So maybe if a doctor isn't able to spend time with you, maybe a nurse practitioner or nurses mm-hmm. to walk you through Certified diabetes things. educator. Yes, mm-hmm. CDE. Um, but there is someone out there who will listen to you. You just have to keep looking and, you know, until then, we're pals. Mm-hmm. But this is a really interesting statistic that was in the article that really struck me. I'm just, like, stealing stuff from Women's Health, so definitely go pick up the article. It's on page 97. But um, I know I hate myself. This is such a plug, but it's not. So 65% of women said they feel doctors take their pain less seriously because they're female. Mm-hmm. Um, that is such a shocking statistic, but also, like, anyone else? I think I just muted myself. <laughs> yes, you did. Kind but you're back. I'm back. I'm back. Um, I, like, fully – I rolled my eyes at that because I – I resonate with that Mm -hmm. so much and I feel like a lot of times there's this connotation where women you know don't have a high pain tolerance well let me tell you type 1 diabetic women sure as hell do have a high pain Mm -hmm. tolerance 90% of the time and regardless of what is a high or low pain tolerance pain is pain and if you're experiencing it you should seek help Mm -hmm. and it's it's completely ridiculous that we're still in a time where someone would ignore you or turn you away because of simply your gender. Mm-hmm. But I'll get off my soapbox now. Um, for our next point, Miriam, is what's what's something else that people should advocate for? I think we have to advocate, you know, within the workplace in terms of what we need to function and to feel safe and to feel comfortable performing our best as well as in relationships and friendships, things like that. But I guess we can start with work. Um, I think, you know, what, what was kind of mentioned in the article as well is advocating for yourself does not mean a formal presentation. Like you have to give your boss this PowerPoint or this paperwork or like this formal thing of this is what's wrong with me. And, um, it's Which actually, nothing's wrong with you. You're okay. It's actually funny because I remember my very first job, like right out of grad school, I was filling out all the HR paperwork and there was something I had to fill out and it specifically asked, like, do you have a disability? And I didn't really think much of it at the time. So I wrote like, sure. Yeah. I have type one diabetes. And when I sent that to my, or when I brought it to my boss to like finish, it was like literally my first day, he kind of looked at me and he's like, you know, you didn't have to disclose that. And he was very anxious, like wanted to make sure he knew that, excuse me, he wanted to make sure I knew that I was not required to disclose that information. And actually it was, that was very sensitive and kind of him. He was basically saying like, if you want to remove this from your record, we can. And I said, honestly, it actually makes me feel better having people know that. And that doesn't mean, and I was able to have this kind of simplified conversation with him. I didn't go into the nitty gritty details of, you know, what that type one diabetes entailed, but I said to him, it actually makes me feel better. Like God forbid something should happen. I I do want someone to know what health issues I'm dealing with. And that was literally my first day. Granted, he sort of started that conversation for me. Um, but I think something that's important is literally, it doesn't have to be, again, this one big meeting where you're talking about it, like for, you know, an hour explaining diabetes, you can just kind of drop little seeds about it here and there. So maybe first day or first week you mentioned, oh, by the way, 
some, you should know that I have type one diabetes. Um, sometimes I might need X, Y, and Z conversation ends. Maybe a month later, you have a low blood sugar. That's a, you know, an educational moment to say, Oh, sorry, my blood sugar is a little low. This is some, or it was low 15 minutes ago. Cause maybe obviously you want to treat it first and say, this is what happens. <laughs> you definitely want to yes. treat it first. <laughs> this is what happens when I'm low sometimes. Um, that's why I just needed a minute to myself to take care of things, but I'm usually better within fifth, 10 to 15 minutes. So I appreciate your patience. Um, things like that. And again, this isn't like at doing this formal thing, but I, you think don't need a PowerPoint, these little mini moments of education that is advocating for yourself. That's saying, I know what I'm doing. I know how to take care of myself. This is what I think is important for you to know. And we're done. And for the most part, people are respectful of it. Emily's smiling and laughing. So what are your thoughts? No, I'm <laughs> smiling because you're just so like, I love, I wish everyone could see how passionate Miriam gets about this. Um, <laughs> mostly I loved the, she like wiped a, her hands of it. She metaphorically, physically wiped her hands of it and you can't see it. And it was literally like one of my favorite parts. Um, <laughs> Now it's really loud outside my window, but something that I want to add is, uh, mostly I think I just want to share my harrowing travel story from last week, but it does have to do with diabetes a little <laughs> bit. And I advocated for myself. Oh, let's hear it. So, Love good examples. Um, yeah. So for example, I was traveling on uh, JetBlue on Thursday night to go home for my grandma's 90th birthday, HBD grandma, love you. Um, and... I took a, a Thursday night flight to avoid Friday crazy travelness, whatever. So apparently there was like really bad storms in Jacksonville and we were only delayed 30 minutes. God bless. So we get on the plane, whatever. Um, all of a sudden, like two hours in, they the pilot gets on and is like, we are having double engine vibrations. We need to make an emergency landing. Oh, God. Dope, dope, dope. Cool, cool, cool. And the entire time, Miriam, you're going to hate me for saying this, but the entire time in my head, and also like the, the turbulence was like so terrifying. I am an anxious like, flyer, so I was everyone, everyone around me was crying. I'm saying, I'm like, literally, people thought the plane was going down. Oh. There were tears. People were like texting their loved ones. I would it was not like, be okay, Emily. I did I, not realize it was that bad. Oh, it, I, well, it was like midnight for uh, Thursday night <laughs> when I texted you, so I didn't want, like, I was worried you were going to wake up by my text, but whatever. <laughs> panicked. Um, but it got so much worse. This is just the beginning of the story. So we made a safe landing. Everything's fine. Um, we land. It's like midnight. And we're running to a new terminal, hopefully getting on another flight. They were like, oh, we have a plane here. It'll leave in 20 minutes. Go get on it. Like, great. Okay. okay. So we run. We sit for two hours. Mm. No one tells us anything. Of There's course. no one at the counter. Like, JetBlue's, like, dipping. Now, here's where things get scary for me, diabetes-wise. Um I had a few low snacks on me, but the entire airport was closed. Mm -hmm. It was around 2 a.m. at this point. There was no food, uh, no water other than the water fountains, which is water, so there was water. <laughs> <laughs> but there, moral of it is there was no food. Nowhere to buy a thing, yeah. Nowhere and no access to mm -hmm. anything. Like, we were, like, left to our own devices. And my blood sugar started dropping, so I had to eat my low snacks. Now, there was no end in sight to this evening, so I'm like well, shit, there's no, like, what am I going to do? Like, obviously, like if my blood sugar doesn't go up or if it drops again, which when I have one low, I'm very prone to having another low, which is common for a lot mm -hmm. of diabetics. It's like way of the world. Um, I'm shit out of luck because <laughs> there's literally nothing around. So I, there's this long ass line. And if anyone was on this flight and was like, why is this girl 
walking up and skipping a long line of people to go talk to the front, it's because I was terrified. Um, but what are the odds one of those people is actually listening right now? True. Probably very. No, I'm, they I'm were just, somewhere on my flight back, and I told them about the podcast because I was excited about the magazine. See, so, so you maybe never they are. Um, Anyhow, but I walked to um, kind of the front once the people came out of hiding. Literally, they were hiding. Uh, by that, I mean, like, the JetBlue employees. Mm-hmm. I felt for them, though, because they, like, fully were thrown into the situation. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. Um, so I get up to the front, and they're like, oh, our hotel voucher system's broken. We're oh, trying no. to get everyone out on, on a 9 a.m. flight the next day, which is honestly kind of late considering, like, usually. If, usually if, there's, like, a 6 a.m. flight or yeah. something, but still. So, I checked uh, one of my my seatmate on the flight from hell where we both thought we were going to die and became fast mm-hmm. friends. He was from my hometown and he was like, oh, my God, there's a Delta flight that leaves at 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to try and book that. And I was like, good idea. So while I'm waiting for them to, like, get their, you know, get us hotel vouchers, I booked that flight, and um, which was great. Yeah. So. And you can basically, like, it, not diabetes related, but you can fight to have JetBlue pay re- yeah, you for that they, later. They, yeah. they did. Um, but so I get up to the front of the line mm-hmm. and by the time they come back, they're like, oh no, our voucher system's down. I was like, guys, I need, I need juice. I don't mm-hmm. know what to do. And they were like, oh no, you're going to have to go to the hotel. We don't have anything here. I'm like, okay, but like what? And the woman was like, yeah, I'm really sorry. And she just kept going on and on. And I was like, I, I was like, it's not your fault. It is mm-hmm. what it is. I'm just trying to problem solve at this point. There has to be something that we can do because mm-hmm. it's going to take me a half hour to get to a hotel. And at that point, I had units on board. It was like mm-hmm. a lot. And she was like, well, I guess I could go on the plane and get you some juice. I was like, yes, Perfect. please go on the plane and yeah. get me some juice. <laughs> so she did. And everyone was like giving me death stares for skipping the line and whatever. And I was like, sorry, not sorry. Mm-hmm. So she comes back and gives me my juice and I ended up staying the night at the airport. But I was so proud of myself for getting up there and like facing down all the death stairs for people who yeah, were like, this, this not easy. little girl is uh, skipping. And you know what? I was skipping, but it didn't matter because I didn't go to the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was honestly the flight from hell, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, it's just, it's, it's a situation that I didn't consider because I'm so overly prepared, like 90% of the time. Also, and yeah, sh- there's always the mindset of like, well, I can buy something if I need the, to. Exactly. Not realizing like, oh shit, everything's closed. It was basically like everything also, that could have gone wrong went wrong. Yeah. And I'm even for the Atlanta airport, which is That's like why I'm the like, busiest in the world. It seems to be open like 20. I mean, obviously it's I was open, shocked. but I'm shocked how closed it was. I was shocked. Very Nothing scary. opened up. Starbucks opened at like five, five in the morning. Yeah. So I really only had to wait like three hours, but two still, or three hours. That's enough. To but yeah, I, <laughs> it was a scary situation. And uh, my nice seatmate, he had we kind of like stayed together because oh, another way that I advocated for myself, but this does not have to do with diabetes, is there was this guy that would not leave me alone. He kept hitting on me and literally oh. blatantly hitting on me, like saying really inappropriate things. And every time I was like, sir, please stop. Also, he was like my age, but I did the whole sir thing sir. to try and distance myself from him. Like whatever. I was like, sir, you need to stop, sir. This is not funny, sir. I'm not interested. At one point I literally, when I was having my low blood sugar, I turned over and go, I am a hundred percent not interested. Please stop talking <laughs> to me. Please leave me alone. And this other guy was like, damn. And I was like, he's been harassing me for like 30 minutes. And I'm alone here in this Atlanta airport. There's no one but myself to help me. And like, 
I don't feel safe, so I got to do what I got to do. Like, see, micro advocacy for all, not just diabetes. True. So the moral of the story <laughs> is, you can advocate in so many more ways yes. than you think. And um, that was a terrifying trip. I still love JetBlue, but I did say a few prayers, and I'm not a religious lady, so. And you're alive to tell the tale. Thank God. Yes. And I texted Miriam. Was like, I should really get your parents number in case that happens again <laughs> well yeah I woke up and there was a text from Emily at like 1 a.m being like yo I'm in Atlanta any chance you're up <laughs> and when I saw it in the morning like obviously I was like what the heck happened but then after the fact I'm like what would what would I have done I'm like I don't know your family's from there that's true you I don't know something else. yeah um but still then I remembered that my brother-in-law's entire family lives there and they like are always like come through and I'm always like okay and then I should have took, taken them up on it and they would See, have been shocked so much family you have in Atlanta so much can you hear me yeah something just oh I know what it was yes everything's fine Keep recording okay uh, yeah. Your face was very <laughs> I, startling. I was terrified. I heard my voice. It's because I'm recording over an old episode. So all of a sudden, my voice oh God. just came at me. Okay, and I and couldn't it hear so it because it was yeah. headphones. It what? was so scary. Oh, my God. I'm okay. Anyways, let's wrap this up, and uh, and we will uh, continue about our days. But basically, any any last last words, Miriam? Um. Last words. I don't know. I mean, I think this could be a good opportunity for the listeners to really reflect and think about re- times that you've advocated for yourself. And I, it might not be like you're likely doing it already without even realizing it or without doing it intentionally because we all are sort of put in this position where we have to advocate for yourself. So this might be a good reflective exercise. Think when are times that you've had to advocate for your diabetes recently, um, whether in friendships, relationships, work with your doctors, like even little things, like if you're out to dinner with friends and you might have to say, listen, like if we're all going to share things, then this item food, this appetizer would be easier for me than others. That is advocating for yourself. And it's such a minute thing. So start small and get bigger. Exactly. I think just like reflect on what you're doing already because odds are you're like doing a killer job and advocate advocating for yourself. And keep doing it and tell us. Slide in our, into our DMs, as Emily would say, and tell us how you advocate for yourself. LOL. So that brings me to, to your arguably one part. of my favorite parts. Definitely one of Miriam's <laughs> favorite parts of every episode. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. And we're so excited for the season finale and for season seven that's to come. And obviously for this women's health issue uh, article situation. Yeah, go get so it. So go buy on newsstands everywhere February 11th. It's Rosario Dawson on the cover. And we are on page 97. But <laughs> the official piece begins. Not not on, that we're like counting. Yeah, but yeah. You should start on page 93 because that's where the, mm-hmm. the package begins. But... Thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at pancreas underscore pals, on Facebook at pancreas pals pp. Slide into our email at pancreaspals123 at gmail.com. And be sure to keep checking back for all of our shenanigans, all of our shugs, highs, and lows of life, and more exciting things to come. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Bye. Have a good weekend. Bye. Or week. SOS. Bye. That was so good up until the last minute. <laughs>